We spoke about faith recently, and faith is important. I want you to pay attention to the fact that it's sometimes you need people in your life. Sometimes you need people. It's great when you have family. Family is important. Family is really important. It's good when you have a good, solid family, and your family knows God. It's, it's even better. And some families are challenged in that way. I mean, what does it take if your family is anti-Christ and you get to serve Jesus? There are people in our church who are uh, excommunicated from their families because they believe in Jesus. And what can I say? I mean, that's your decision. If you are, Jesus wants to be first, if you deny him, he says, I'll deny you in front of the Father. If you, if you can't uh, uh, recognize me in public, I won't recognize you in front of the Father. And that sort of puts you in um, hell. I don't know what's happening today. It's just... Let's start in Matthew chapter number 9, verse 1. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town, and some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, some men... So we have this story is, is written down in three of the uh, first four books of the New Testament and uh, the gospel accounts. And this one omits some detail. And so when you read the, uh, the gospels, you notice that it, it, it's... It gives perspectives from different people. It's, it's not trying to write down specific facts, and it's not a historical book. See, we don't read the Bible to understand history. We, we read the Bible to understand the history of God and His people in a, a wider setting. So we don't study the Bible to try and figure out anthropology and stuff. We're trying to read the Bible to understand what God is saying to His, to his people. And so Matthew omits certain things. So, so Matthew and Mark and, and John, when, when, when it's written down and gives an account of an event, it's trying to give you a perspective of that event. And so you read it to have a fuller picture of what happened during that event so that you can extract from it by the grace of God and through the leading of the Holy Spirit some lessons that is applicable to your life now. It is wise as Christians that I've learned very early on in my life that it's wiser to learn from other people's mistakes. It's much cheaper much faster to let them make the mistakes. That's why I have employees. And I pay attention to their stupidity, and then I don't make the same mistake in life. I surround them, and I'm kidding. It's nasty. Because I end up paying for their mistakes. It's wise to learn from other people's mistakes. It's wise to pay attention to how people do things so that you can, if you can extract from their life lessons that you can apply to your own life, you just get better Added. So when we do counseling, I use your stories, Chanel and I, and we look at our own lives through your story and try and figure out, are we making mistakes that you've made? And then we also try and look at our own lives to see where God has corrected us and helped us grow, and we tr try and give you some advice from that. It's, it's wise to do that. And so the Bible, you should not only put yourself always in uh, the hero of the story's shoes, Sometimes you should be in the shoes of the, uh, the secondary uh, actors in the story. Sometimes you should stand from the outside looking in. Sometimes you should just be one of the volunteers on the scene, just looking, paying attention to what's happening in the room, and see how that life lessons can be applied to your life. 
If you keep on doing that, you'll grow. If you keep on doing that, you'll begin to change and to see the fruit of God in your life. So here's a story of a paralyzed man. It says, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men. And the other stories, they're called friends. Watch. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, when Jesus saw their faith, these men, when Jesus, well, this guy has an issue. He's paralyzed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming, knowing their thoughts. It's amazing. And this is a lesson that, that, that a lot of people should pay attention to. There are teachers of the law, teachers of the law. Jesus was very often in conflict with the teachers. Jesus is, is, is very often in scriptures opposed to the teachers, but he qualifies it teachers of the law who wants to see things in black and white, who wants to point fingers and can highlight, highlight mistakes that you've made. Jesus often was at odds with teachers of the law. Not just teachers, teachers of the law. And they, the teachers of the law, is pointing at the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, and saying, he, this fellow, is blaspheming. Their education is, high, is lifting them up, and in their blindness, they are belittling or diminishing the role of the Messiah. How often... Does our worldview make Jesus less? They are the most qualified people of their time, supposedly those who have studied scriptures and researched scriptures, knows what it suppo supposedly knows what it says, and in their elevation, they are blinded, so blinded to the degree that Jesus is made less. They call him a fellow. Their education makes them unable to discern their God. There is a man that is paralyzed. He's lying there. And there is somebody trying to speak to him. And the teachers are not pointing a finger at the paralyzed man. They're pointing a finger at Jesus. So most people out there are concerned about poverty and people. And the church is just taking money. And there are people out there that are suffering but at the same time, they're not, they're not really concerned about that person. They're not concerned because the Pharisees are watching a paralyzed man. They're more concerned with their own power and own opinion and own words because they're pointing at Jesus as trying to fix that man. They are the ones that's supposed to have an answer for this paralyzed man. They can't answer that, so they are taking on Jesus. This is a spirit of, of self-righteousness. That is, that is not supposed to be in the DNA and the makeup of a Christian. Nowhere in the Bible does it to ask you, please go around pointing out sin. Because you'll soon discover that, that most of your pointing out, you'll suffer the same. He says that this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? 
Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Jesus is not just after what you say and do, he's after what you're thinking too. And most of our problems resides in the way that we think about lives, our mindsets. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are you forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Now, this is the account of Matthew. He doesn't, he doesn't give us a lot of detail. If you go to Mark, Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. You can, you can notice already that the story is told from a different perspective. It's written in the book of Mark. I, I forgot all these facts, so I did Google all of it. Chat GPT, all of this. I'm kidding, it gave me the wrong answers. Who wrote Mark? Well, Mark, it's in the title. John Mark wrote the book called The Gospel According to Mark. John Mark, um, but it, it's not written from his perspective. It's written from Peter's perspective. And he is, according to some scholars, and this is, is a biblical tradition, um, in the second century, uh, Bishop Papias, Papaya wrote that Mark was Peter's interpreter and wrote down accurately everything he remembered from Peter, uh, Peter, Peter's reminiscence. So when P Peter would, would tell him the stories and he would write it down. So as P Peter remembered the events and would reminisce about these events, Mark wrote down. So it's written from Peter's perspective. And so when you read the story in Mark or in Luke 5, the story of the sparalyzed man, you see different facts. But the fact of Mark 2, we can very safely or, or, or to a large degree say that this story is, is accounted from Mar uh, Peter's perspective. So Peter noticed that a large number of people were gathered together at the house. Some suggest that the house in which this happened was Peter's house. They gathered in such large number that there was no room left, not even outside the doors. They had an event and an overflow. I wonder what they would mean when Peter says large numbers. Five, three, ten. What would be a large number? Remember the houses in the day wasn't this, as big as the houses are now. I mean, uh, engineering wasn't at that level. And so houses were not that big. It was there, but it wasn't that big. And they were gathered inside the house and outside the house. We know, as I just read to you from... Um, Matthew, that there was Pharisees and teachers there, large numbers sitting around Jesus. And they gathered in such large numbers, there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came to him, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. So this paralyzed man is on a mat. We know from Matthew 9 that this man is on a mat. This is his life. If you're paralyzed, he is on a mat. This is his life. Every day, in and out, he is on a mat. Day in and day out, he's on a stretcher. This is his reality. It seems from the story that they're not teenagers. It's not boys. It's not kids. It's a fully grown man. Most of us are, maybe in the morning service, a little bit different, but most people in this church are very, very young. 
not a very long life. But let's imagine 20 years of being on a mat paralyzed. 20 years of life, all you know is that. Now let's take this, this limitation of paralysis and apply it to a limitation of understanding. 20 years you've grown up in your house. You've grown up in a, under parents that may be divorced. You've grown up in a house that you monthly, you move two, three times a year from house to house. If you were to ask people how many times they've moved house in this room, you'd be shocked. If you were to ask how many people in this room has gone through parents that has a divorce, you'll be shocked. And maybe your mat is not paralysis of your legs that you can't walk. But what in your life is causing you to be paralyzed in your mind that slows you down from walking in life? And you are unable to move where God wants you to be because something has become a limitation in where God wants to take you. Maybe it's the way you think about your career. Because in the old days, what was said is get a trait behind your name, get a trade, do it, write a trade test, become a plumber and electrician or a welder so that you have something to fall back on. How many of you have heard that statement? Get something to do. And that has become your limitation because that's how you've grown up for the last 20 years. That's your mindset. And whatever God is calling you to, you can't see because you don't have the legs to walk there in your mind. And this man is lying on a stretcher and, and he himself, it's not his faith that got him out of his mindset. The Bible says that four, four of his buddies, four people had to see it valuable enough to waste time enough to pick up a corner on a man who had a mindset not like their own. It required four people, four people to say that this man doesn't think like he ought to, but we're not going to leave him in his paralysis. We refuse to leave this man in what limits his potential. Imagine the Christian community of South Africa can say, listen, we need to get people to think better. Not because the, the accusations is not lifting the church up. It's bringing it down. We don't see praise mails come in. We see accusations come in all the time. You go onto YouTube, you'll find this is wrong with Hillsongs. This is wrong with Elevation Church. This is wrong with that church. We don't see praise mail. This is how many people they fed. This is how many people they've supported. This is how many people wanted to commit suicide, but the church was there. We, won't, we don't want them to lift their mindset. We want their mindset to come down to our level. Where are the few, four people that says, in spite of his paralysis, I'm willing to carry his bed. I'm not going to let his mindset that's limiting get me to lie down next to him. I'm going to get him to go where I'm going. I don't want to be surrounded by people. This is the problem with depression and people who like to have a cart of being a victim. This is another problem in our nation that most of our people in this nation loves being the victim. We're a victim of apartheid. We're a victim of a, of a government. We're a victim of our families we're a victim and when we're a victim we can tell people that we're a victim and when they give us two minutes of attention because we're a victim we feel better but how many of you have felt better listening to someone complaining 
When you hear someone complain, do you feel your spirit lift or do you feel your spirit drown? Now, if the same is true, how many of us are the friends that's picking up the corner and taking this man to someplace instead of sitting down next to him and discussing his problem? The world wants affirmation of how we feel. We don't want correction of where we ought to be. Most people don't want insights to move forward. They want pity. They want to be heard. We want to be heard, but not heard in terms of where we're going or what we believe and what God can do. We want to be heard about what, what was been, has been done to us. This is my offense. This is how I'm hurt. This is what's not right in the world. We don't have friends that pick us and move us up somewhere. We have friends that sit down with us and have a pretty party with us. Hi, sister. Is your ouders gesky? Now can you ook a slechte man wees? Jesus has a problem with laziness. Very, very, very big problem with laziness. God has a problem with laziness. If you're lazy, Jesus has a problem with you. Yeah, he's my leaf. Yeah. I see happy. Jesus loves you, but he has a problem with laziness. But you want somebody to sit down with you and go like, no, Jesus accepts you as you are. Let's talk about where you at. If the friends sat down with that guy on the mat, they would have been at his house, not at the house where Jesus was at. You go with me to a nightclub and I'll come with you to church. No, don't come with me to church. It's fine, I'll, I'll skip. We're not bartering. We're not negotiating. I have a higher life. Do you want it? Don't want it. We're not negotiating about this. Either you have Jesus, you don't. I can give you or show you more. The problem is most of us don't have to show something to show. It's very difficult to convince me you're a banana tree if there's no bananas on you. For, for the life of me, I haven't got a cooking clue. I walk past trees and sometimes I want to sound clever. It depends on which community I'm in. I haven't got a clue. It's a Dorenboom. But if you see a Narchi, first thing that pops in my mind is a Narchi. If you see a Narchi hanging on that tree, it's safe to say it's a Narchi tree. Right? You don't get grapes on a thorn tree. If you keep on telling your friends that you have fruit and Jesus is good to you, Sort of let it look at. Imagine, imagine this guy's lying. I want to lie down on this bed. This is how most of us are doing Christianity. Can't move. Not going anywhere. No, Jesus is really good. No, Jesus is good, man. Jesus, just follow Jesus. You have to follow. Jesus is going to save your life. Just follow Jesus. Get with Jesus. Jesus, I promise you, Jesus is good. No, I, why? Because Jesus is. We're paralyzed, but we want to talk about him. It's not a testimony. It's not a testimony. We don't get the four friends' names, do we? We don't hear, oh, where's John? Is Christian? Saroki? Sipu? We don't get their names. 
who just get four guys that wasn't paralyzed. Picking up a paralyzed guy. 20 years, that was his story. Paralyzed. Picks him up. Takes him to a place that they can't get in. So many of us try and help somebody. We get to a place where we can't help and we go like, ah, oh, sorry man, try. We tried. Room's full. Room's full. Room's full. Sorry, we tried. Let's try next week again, okay, Johnny? Just stay there for another week. Put the bed down. Oh, terug bij ons taske in huis. Sit samen met ons vroukie. Eet lekker. Microwave dinner. Nice. Wat sy naam nou weer? Wat het gesê? Johnny. Is jy good, Johnny? Still good, man. Next week we'll try again. Lekker lewe. Rijbeem. Weer. Life's good. Johnny is still paralyzed. I love Jesus, man. Just I love Jesus. Jesus is good. Jesus on Facebook. Johnny is still paralyzed. And you're still putting up Facebook statuses. But none of you two are getting anywhere close to Jesus. I want to be surrounded by four friends. Not just four friends. But I want to at least have some four friends that don't think like it's good for me to be paralyzed and it's good for them to just go about life. I want to have somebody that has some vision about where God is taking us. Is God real or not? If He's real, I want to know what He's thinking. I want to know where He's taking my life. I want to have a few friends that says, Johnny, shut up. Get to a place and go like, this route's not going to work. This story tells us they got to the door. Um, uh, they gathered in such large number that there was no room left, not even outside the door. They couldn't get through the door. And he preached the words to them, the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them since they could not get to him, to Jesus, because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof. So they're looking through the door. They can't get to the door. They can't get in the room. There are people there that are taught but can't fix the problem because they're more interested in what he is saying than what they are saying about the problem. They're, they, they're not... Paying attention, they don't really care, and they can't get anything. These four men, now I, I think they were climbing up next to the house. So those days the roofs were flat, and there were steps leading up. They climbed up the house. Peter is telling the story. Peter mentioned the fact that they went through his roof. Peter's house, it cost Peter something to have this man not think like he thinks. Well, in his case, not be paralyzed like he is paralyzed. And these four strangers, okay, let me help you. If the story is according to biblical tradition, Peter's house, is it, uh, it, it's not explicitly said so in scripture, but it is believed that it's very possibly Peter's house because Jesus hung around there quite often, right? Peter's house is no longer Peter's house. Peter's wife is standing in the kitchen looking at Peter. Peter is sitting with Jesus. Nice. Peter's wife, what can we call her, Cindy, is in the kitchen. She's standing behind the kitchen cabinet. And right across from her is a stranger, a Pharisee, making a sandwich in her house. Cindy just passed the tomato sauce and she's like, hmm. Her comforts are gone. Because Jesus is in their world. Jesus came into their house. Jesus is in their house. Most of us don't. We want Jesus, but not in our house. This is my safe space. It's 
my no-no space. This is my no-no square. No, no, don't touch me there. I'm teaching. That is fout with my work. I can't say it's perfect. I can't have four friends in Norag. They're climbing up. Cindy is upset with Peter. Peter is standing there. They can't move in their own house. Kids are shouting because they want their iPads to watch YouTube, but Peter is busy with Jesus. They can't get into the house. And so these four friends climbs up on the roof and Peter is standing there and somebody's sitting with their feet on Peter's couch and he's got like, hmm, hmm, throw his quad. I locks out for the week. And all of a sudden he just sees dust from the lights falling. What's happening in my life? And you go like, And Peter goes like, what? <laughs> and Peter says, go through the door. He goes like. <laughs> All of a sudden, you see the other friend look through. See, poo. Break down and can't dock off. All of a sudden, there's a bed coming down. <laughs> I don't know if that ropes or what. Bed comes down. The friends are going beyond what is normal. Peter's house is being wrecked. All of this to get this man to be healed. The work of the church. The work of what we ought to do. When Jesus steps in, he doesn't step into a friend's house and boat. He steps into your life. He steps into Peter's boat. Peter, can I use your boat to preach? Yes, Jesus, preach from my boat. After Jesus used this boat, he said, go push in a little further. And he caught a great catch that he himself could not bring in. So the Bible says he called his partners, the friends that were around. He, had, he needed friends to bring in what God was bringing in. He needed people around him. This guy was paralyzed from birth. He needed four friends to say, no, you're not staying there, I'm helping you. And they let him down through a roof. Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. He says that on purpose because he knows the guy coming down the roof is paralyzed. What bothers this guy is not his sins, it's his paralysis. He says to him, your, your, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees, the guys who are so clever, goes like, ha, who does he think he is? Wie denk hy pastoor is hy om enig iets te sê? Because we, we don't have Jesus, we, we are now the ones... Jesus went about preaching the kingdom. Then he commissions the disciples to go preach the kingdom. And then he says to them, until I return, preach the gospel. This is where we're at today until he returns. So when the pastor speaks, it's not Jesus, but he is doing the work that Jesus told him to do. And we have a problem. Who do you think you are? I understand Jesus can say these things, but who do you think you are? Anointed by Jesus to say these things. We don't like it. And so, so many people are on YouTube, Facebook, and everywhere around having criticisms about the church. But if we have fruit, the result's there. And Jesus says, why are you thinking evil thoughts? And it gets into their mind. It's funny that Jesus doesn't fight with you just your words. He fights with you what you think. He gets into an argument and you're thinking there's a battle in your mind. Your words, Satan's words, and Jesus. 
is arguing with you. He's trying to say to you, why are you thinking these things? But just to show you that I am the son of God, take your mat and walk, which is easier. It's much easier to tell someone your sins is forgiven. No one can see. But when you're paralyzed and you begin to change, that's a testimony. And if Jesus can do that, he can forgive your sins. Now, when we begin to see results in the church, and when we, and we do, don't be confused, we do. We see many results. We see people's lives change. And because of that, we can assuredly say to you, Jesus must be here. I hope that meant something to you today. Let me pray. Father, I pray. Let not our mindsets paralyze us. God, put people around us. Put people around us that refuse to leave us where we were at. That would challenge us to think bigger, think higher, think further. Your word says, think on these things. Give us people that are inspired by your Holy Spirit to speak when they do. To elicit in us thinking that is godly, elevated holy, full of hope and potential. Let us see, God, what you can do. Put around us people that know you, that even if there is no way, they'll find a way. Even if they have to break through some stuff to get us to you. Help us, God. Inspire us. Move our thinking. What is possible in this lifetime? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God a proper praise in the room.